And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Nice to have you along with us today. In the studio with us is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here. And Dr. John Vance, Senior Pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Thank you. Great to be here, Dan. And in this program, we try to answer questions that have come up, some of which we've thought of ourselves as we've talked with people and lived life in general. On our agenda today, gentlemen, is this continuation, really, from last week. We were talking about, oftentimes in literature, we will see a linkage between word and sacrament. And we wanted to explore the second part of that today, during this session together. And that is, what is the reformational view of sacrament? And maybe, first of all, we may want to even define the term. You know, um, reflecting on this a bit, I think uh, the place to start, uh, since the word sacrament as such does not appear in the New Testament, but it does translate, it's a Latin word, of course, and New Testament's in Greek, but the word sacrament was used to translate a word that appears in the context of the ordinances of God, the Lord's Supper and Baptism, and that is musterion. And uh, a sacrament was actually a pledge that a Roman soldier took to Hmm. serve in the military. But it translated the word mysterion, which in this case would be God's uh, mysteries, or uh, as St. Augustine defined a sacrament, it is a visible word of God's promise. So you see the promise there is is one of the key concepts. And even though we don't find the word sacrament as such in the Scripture, um, neither do we find the Trinity in Scripture. We don't this. find the word Trinity, <laughs> and we don't find the word sacrament. As I was talking to a Sunday school class this past Sunday, yeah. it doesn't mean that those are not proper words to use. Mm. It's just right. simply that what we read in the New Testament, this is a word to describe what we read there. Mm-hmm. So I think we've rightly used the word Trinity, mm-hmm. and we rightly use the word sacrament. Yeah. For God in these visible words pledges himself to us in Christ. And we see his command to do them, you know, of course, with baptism, go ye therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, with the Lord's Supper, this do in remembrance of me. We have these commands that these are to be done, of course, the baptism once, and, of course, the Lord's Mm -hmm. Supper is a repeatable Mm -hmm. uh, act. That's a good point, uh, Mark. Um, Particularly, I think we need to emphasize that today. The sacraments are not things indifferent. Mm -hmm. They are things commanded by God, and therefore they are not optional. They are holy signs appointed by God and covered by his promise and command. Do we have um, continuity between the testaments concerning sacraments? I certainly would think there is. <laughs> we can look at them in, in a number of different ways. Of course, in the Old Testament, we have the the sign of the covenant that God gave Abraham. And that sign of the covenant was circumcision. Mm-hmm. And uh, under the new covenant, post-Christ, post-the-resurrection, 
we have a new sign of that covenant, and we see that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, and it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in mm-hmm. which we were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So mm-hmm. we have that replacement there. And also, if you look at the Passover as uh, uh, one of those repeatable ones, of course, Jesus, during the Passover, instituted the Lord's Supper. Right. And... Uh, that was uh, the reminder. Sometimes uh, baptism is called the sacrament of initiation. Right. And the Lord's Supper is called the sacrament of continuation right. and therefore repeated over and over like the Lord's yeah. Supper. Mm-hmm. But I was yeah. thinking of that uh, passage, too, in Peter's first sermon in Acts there, chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses the very same words you find that uh, God spoke to Abraham, but in this context, rather than reinstituting the command to circumcise, he says, this promise is to you and to your children and as many as are far off, mm-hmm. and it's in the context of baptism. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. I was just uh, looking here at uh, a quotation from the Westminster Confession of Faith, in fact, and it explains this. It Uh, says sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and his benefits and to confirm our interest in him as also to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world Mm -hmm. and solemnly to engage them in the service of God in Christ according to his word. And I was thinking about something that often occurs in our world, and that is concerning baptism and how some people are threatened. Their very life is threatened by their baptism. Uh, Maybe not in this country. I don't think in this country so much. But what if they're in a country that um, is uh, comprised mostly of Muslims? And let's say that a young person grows up a Muslim, and uh, Christ converts his heart, and he follows through and becomes baptized. I, I think I've heard stories where that becomes a threat to him. Yeah, I've not only heard stories, I've talked with students from some of those countries, and it is true that the, the one mm-hmm. act that makes a difference uh, is the act of baptism. Mm-hmm. And as the Westminster Confession says, it puts a visible difference between us and the world. Yeah. Because, you see, it belongs to the, the church. The sacrament is to be administered by the church, not just any one individual, yeah. by the way. Oh, that's true. But it does mean that since it is an act of the church and recognition of one's faith and allegiance to Christ, not just simply as a prophet, mm. though he was that, not simply as uh, any human being who was God's revelation, but he was, in fact, God in human flesh. And we are baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ yep. in the name of the Father and of the Son That's and right. of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the Trinity. So it does make a difference, and it is a visible sign of that difference. Yeah, exactly. Well, I see we're coming up here on a short break. You're tuned today to the program we call A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. 
And it is my joy to have in the studio today the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, senior pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York. We're talking about the Reformation and, in particular, word and sacrament, and we're taking up that second item today, namely sacrament. We've got lots more to cover on this, so stay with us now. We'll be back after a short break. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. It's nice to have you along with us today. Today we're talking about the Reformation and the sacraments of the Reformation. And getting right back to it, uh, one of the questions that comes up is this. How many sacraments are there? You know, that is a an important matter. Obviously, uh, historically, you might say, branches of Christianity have differed over this. Uh, I did a little bit of... Uh, a research a couple of days ago, not thinking about this program so much, but mm-hmm. I looked at some of the medieval theologians, and I noticed they had an unsettled number. Sometimes oh, really? you would have one that would put down the notion that there are 12 sacraments. Another, in fact, a man by the name in the 12th century by the name of Hugh of St. Victor proposed that there were 30 sacraments. <laughs> but in wow. um, St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, for the Roman Catholic tradition, settled the number of sacraments at seven, which was inscribed in the Council of Trent. Now, you might ask then, why do 
most Reformation churches, if not all, subscribe to only two sacraments. Mm. Well, when when uh, St. Thomas was looking at sacraments, he included some rites of passage that uh, we do not see in the Bible. Though there are rites of passage that we go through, and you do see some rites of passage in the Bible, but sure. they're never in the context of a sacrament. Mm-hmm. Now remember, a sacrament is, is a, a visible word of God's promise and pledge to us that he will be a God to us and to our children. And if that is the case, um, you really only have two sacraments uh, that Jesus instituted. They're called dominical sacraments. He instituted baptism and commanded it. And he certainly instituted the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist. All three terms are in the New Testament to refer mm-hmm. uh, to that sacrament. And so, therefore, we recognize only two, though most ministers like myself certainly bury and marry and do many things, but yes. we see them as ordinances of creation, not sacraments of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. Okay. That's a helpful distinction, I think. You mentioned uh, a different tradition and um, other rites that are sometimes considered sacraments. Some of these would be, what, uh, confirmation, I believe? Right. Yes, uh, five more that St. Thomas at least talked about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Penance, for instance, extreme unction, orders, marriage, and confirmation in addition to baptism and the Lord's Supper. Okay. But these are rites of passage, and they're important rights, and the church has always uh, recognized Christian marriage, for instance. It's a blessing from God. But let's take marriage. It it, it might help to distinguish marriage, let's say, for instance, from the Lord's Supper. Marriage is something that God instituted in creation when he brought Adam and Eve together, and they were joined. Uh, That is an ordinance of, of creation, God ordained it in creation, and it's good and holy for all people. But it is true that the church uh, is a place where we bless that, Mm -hmm. and we encourage that because it is God's institution, and we sanction it by our recognition of it. But in the real sense, it's not truly a sacrament in the same sense as the Lord's Supper. And I actually think if you read St. Thomas carefully, he does make a distinction between church sacraments, which are the five I mentioned, Mm -hmm. and dominical sacraments, or sacraments instituted by Christ. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. You know, some people um, participate in the sacraments, and I'm thinking here of uh, baptism. Maybe we're baptized um, either uh, very, very young or later on in life, but in either case, their minister ends up denying the faith. And it's a very sad thing when that happens, when clergy does that. Um, just tears your heart out. But sometimes, just practically speaking, this person will have doubts now. Do they need to get rebaptized? Right. Um, what, what do we say there? Yeah, in, in that case, you know, what, what you're looking at, the virtue is not in the person doing the sacrament. That's not where it's at. It's in God's word. It's in God's promise and in the faith of the believer. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things we understand with sacrament is you have uh, faith combined with God's word and God's promise. So that that is the thing that rings true. So even if 
the man was an apostate, if he baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he's baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The promise is linked with the Word. That's excellent, because uh, we need to make a distinction here, I think, between uh, something that is irregular and something that is invalid. Something can be irregular and not be invalid. Mm. Uh, and I've often uh, told people who've asked me these these qu- kinds of questions, and they do come up. Mm. You know, if an apostate read the Scripture, it would not make the Scripture any less than the Scripture. And it is true that if a, uh, a minister of the gospel becomes apostate, still yet the validity of the sacrament does not rest in the moral worth of the administrator, but it rests within the triune God who gives mm-hmm. us promises in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's and very comforting. It is comforting. Yeah. You know, where, where God has honored his, his word and sign and seal, and it's, it's not dependent on the uh, uh, ultimate holiness of that minister of the gospel. Uh, some are maybe uh, closer to the Lord than others. You could make even a Absolutely. finer distinction. Yeah. And yet God honors that sign and seal. Yeah, Amen. yeah. Maybe, maybe one of the examples we have would be from the Old Testament. It wasn't exactly a sacrament, but Balaam's blessing of the children of Israel, and then yet we say Balaam turning, and uh, the blessings uh, still uh, held, mm-hmm. which which he gave them. God's mm-hmm. word is God's word, whether yeah. it is in a written form or preached or in the visible sign. Right. Mm. Um, it is the word of God that comes from the God who loves us and redeems us in his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been using some terms here, and I need to stop myself, and that is uh, we've been using the words sign and seal. Um, do we need to uh, explain these a little bit and talk about them? Uh, first, maybe a sign. Sacrament represents something other than itself. Uh, it teaches about some truth uh, symbolically. What can we say about the sign aspect? Well, the, a sign points to something else, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, when we use the word sign, we are saying that these sacraments point us to Christ and to what he did for us in his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, they do point to Christ. He is the content, and thank God for that. Mm-hmm. I was reading a little quotation here out of something I found on, on the web, and it says, There is something in the sign which corresponds with the object it signifies, making the truth about its object obvious to those who see the sign. Not everything about the sign corresponds with the object, or there would be no difference between the two. And so obviously it, it is a sign. It's, it's, mm. it's not Christ. And yet he's, uh, he's present in a special way to do a work, and I think that's the second aspect uh, concerning the sealing aspect right. of uh, baptism. That's kind of like when you, you sign a contract, you know, here again. Uh, the sealing of that is you've signed this contract, and even though the signature isn't you, yet it's your promise, if you will, and, mm. and the proof that you're going to, to do what is said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the seal, too, has a a clear uh, relation to Christ in this sense that he's saying, you are mine. Mm. I've placed my mark upon you. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, that's a comforting thing, too. I can remember one of the letters of Calvin um, written to a lady that he had talked to uh, a few times to encourage her. She had a problem with assurance of faith. Mm. And he says, you remember that when you come to the Lord's Supper, 
uh, and you rightly come to the Lord's Supper, uh, God has placed his seal upon you, and this should reassure you and comfort you. Amen. That that was yes. also what Luther was often referred to. There were times when he would get depressed, and and he'd say, "Then I'd remember my baptism." Yes, and and he remembered God's promise in mm-hmm. his baptism that he was God's child. Yeah, Amen. Yeah. yeah, this Lord's Supper, communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist. Um, it's uh, sometimes described as a covenantal meal for those marked out by God, and we regularly partake. And so, is Christ, here's a loaded question, gentlemen, (laughs) is Christ's presence there in the Supper? Certainly. He is certainly present in the (laughs) Supper. Uh, I guess the tension has been in in the church is, how is he present in Uh the Supper? Um, And, of course, there are those who don't really look at his presence in the Supper. They think, Mm -hmm. focus on it more as a, a memorial what we do, you know, and focus on mm-hmm. how we remember. After all, he said, this do in remembrance of me, and that's important. But I think there's a, a further aspect that Christ is present in the Supper. If you remember First Corinthians uh, chapter 11, when it's instituted, we see there in Paul's description of the institution, he also talks about problems there, people taking in an unworthy manner. Mm-hmm. Now, if that were just simply a memorial, if that were just simply not remembering correctly, then why the dire consequences for taking in an improper manner? Because if you remember, he he states in 1 Mm. Corinthians 11, some of you are sick because of that, and some of you have fallen asleep, meaning that they've died. That's a good point. So um, that kind of illustrates the idea and fact that it's more than just mere remembering. Right. In in fact, in First Corinthians chapter ten, uh, uh, it's called a true communion. Yeah. We commune with Christ under mm-hmm. these signs, true communion, and we receive new and fresh, if you will, hmm. through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the benefits of Christ. I um, often am desirous to, particularly to a new Christian, to explain to them that there are three dimensions to the Lord's Supper or to the Eucharist. There's a past, a present, and a future. In Hmm. the past, we remember that Christ did something for us, and we anticipate the future. We do it until he comes. But in 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about being a koinonia. Something is happening in the present, and Christ becomes, in a true and sacramental sense, our contemporary. We feast upon him by faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, his benefits are continually applied to our lives. Mm. Uh, Christ and his benefits, we are joined to him in a special way in this meal. And that's why it's our privilege. And also, it's a time, as uh, Mark has alluded to, to not partake unworthily, but to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith or not. And to realize that we're to have unity with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Yeah. Boy, this sounds so good here. Somebody could say, I can't wait to have the Lord's Supper. Maybe I'll just uh, celebrate it right now, um, once I'm done listening to this radio uh, program. What would you say to that person? (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) the noble intentions are there. But, uh, of course, the sacraments, again, are given not to an individual or not even a 
a group of Christians given to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be administered by lawful minister of Jesus Christ who's been appointed uh, to uh, to be the one who administers the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So in that sense, it's done within the context of the fellowship of the church and it's disciplined. Mm-hmm. It's the body of Christ. Yeah. And... Um, and that is, I think, uh, an important matter to remember. So it's not based on any uh, superstitious view of the ministry or anything, but it's just following through what we learn in the scriptures. Right. And um, it's it's to be uh, performed by a duly ordained minister yes. of word and sacrament. When I was in seminary, I took a course called Church and Sacraments. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, sacraments, of course, belong to the church and its administration yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm just looking at the time here. We could keep going probably for another hour, but unfortunately we're already out of time for this edition of A Plain Answer. Today we've been talking about the Reformation and particularly the aspect of sacraments in the Reformation. Gentlemen, we've got about a half a minute. Just some wrap-up thoughts from each of you quickly. Well, again, uh, one of the things uh, sometimes that the problem is is that sacraments are so often neglected, and uh, I think we uh, forget them too often, and, and mm. forget how how God uh, reaches us. Even you know we understand how He reaches us through His Word, but He also uh, reaches us, and we fellowship with Him in, in the sacraments as well. Amen. Uh, I would wrap up by saying that uh, the baptism of course, is a non-repeatable sacrament because it particularly represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and he could only die once and be raised once, and mm-hmm. we could only be saved once, truly. Uh, the sacrament of continuation is an application of that. How often should we observe it? Well, there's no command per se, but certainly it should be frequent, uh, mm-hmm. and churches that appreciate the sacrament in this way have a frequent observance of the Mm. Lord's Supper. Good summary, fellas. Thank you so much. Listening friend, today we've been listening to a discussion here on Redeemer Broadcasting of the Sacraments from the point of view of the Reformation. And uh, if you have a question for either of these pastors, just forward them to us here at Redeemer Broadcasting, and we will forward your question specifically to the pastors here, and they can answer you on the side and not broadcast it if you have those types of questions. Thanks for joining us today. Tune in next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.